3: Welcome, welcome, all you listeners out there. I'm Bobby Sias, and I play Marco. That's a wrap on our story for the season, but we still have more content for you. This is a bonus behind-the-scenes episode about the making of Here Comes the Break. For the second week of our behind-the-scenes look at the makers of the show, we have two more segments coming at you. First up, I had a conversation with Daniela Perkins, who plays Janelle, about our experience making the show, our first podcast. Listen in. Cool, cool, cool. I'm here with my co-star, our Janelle, the lovely Daniela Perkins. Daniela, how you doing? Introduce yourself. Let's get it.
1: Hey, guys. um, I'm Daniela Perkins. I play Janelle on Here Comes the Break. And I'm excited to have this little conversation.
3: Word. All right. So we'll, we'll just dive right in. First question. I'm really curious about this. How did you get involved with Here Comes the Break? What was the process like for you joining the project?
1: Ooh, okay, so I got involved with this project after my agent sent me over the script. I read it, after I read it, I was thinking about it the entire day. I was like, wow, wow, that's a really good script. So I got back like right away and I was like, I wanna be a part of this please, let's do this. I just connected with it immediately. No question about it at all. And it was right when all the protests were going on and everything, it just, it hit different, I guess.
3: Yeah, that's dope. For me, it was kind of like, it was pitched almost as like a play podcast hybrid. Um, And I was like, okay, this sounds cool and new. So let me read into it. Um, And then, yes, sort of same for me. The idea of combining hip hop and mental health conversation through what I love to do was just dope. So I was like, yeah, I'm right in there. Okay, so, like, were there any particular parts of the story that really drew you in that made you definitely want to be a part of it?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, literally everything about this story, I was just drawn to because it was one, you know, relating to topics our nation was in is still currently dealing with racially, you know, having those open conversations about mental health. And another thing that I thought was really, really cool is it's super relatable in all those parts, obviously. Uh-huh. But another thing is like kids nowadays are creating their own business. Regardless how old you are, you can make a career for yourself. Yeah. And I thought, obviously, you know, I also do that myself. And yeah, I just think that's so cool. You know, everything about this project is just so real. And I was just drawn to it. So, yeah.
3: Yeah, that's dope. Like, when I think about that, I think about what I was doing at 16 or 15 in comparison to this newer generation. They're, like, so far ahead of, like, what I was doing in terms of being productive.
1: hmm It's very inspiring.
3: Yeah, facts. So we'll just keep zooming through these questions. Is there something that you identified with about your character and or how are you different?
1: Oh, okay. Um... I mean, we're both very headstrong and determined. We both know exactly what we want. But I feel like her determination is like, she'll like go out there and get it done and then like with me i know what i want but i'll take a little more time to really think about things and go for I it and Chanel's just nope we gotta get it done you know ruben you're gonna go here we gotta talk about this we gotta get this yeah and so she just more like pushed behind it i guess and i'm more like i need to think a little bit before i can do something
3: i feel that i feel that do you feel like there's a better way to go about doing things in your life
1: me personally?
3: Yeah. If you could be more like Janelle, would you want to or do you prefer how you sort of just?
1: Oh, no, I would. Yeah, I'd want to be like Janelle. I feel like having those little stops and being, like, well, well, if I do this, is it going to be seen this way? You know, instead of just being like, well, no, I know exactly how I want things to play out and where my vision is and how I want everything to play out. And so I feel like with me taking those little stops to be like, okay, well, let me think instead of just going for it fully is what I look up to Janelle about. Like, she's just like, goes for it.
3: Word. Yeah, for me, Marco, I think what I resonate with is just his hustle. Mm -hmm. His hustle and his ability to to not necessarily pull strings, but finesse people into pulling strings for him.
1: Oh, I like that. Yeah,
3: that's sort of like, I wish I could do that more. I think I have quite a bit of a hustle, but he's just super ahead of the game.
1: Yeah, same thing with Janelle. There's just just a
3: little bit more than us. Word. Word. Okay, so what was your experience like just recording the production? So, like, I the studio is, like, a city over from where I live, so I actually went in studio, mask on, see what I did there. Oh, wow. Um, so, like, that was my experience. What was yours like recording all the way from the West Coast?
1: So, mine, I just recorded in my bedroom. They sent me this little microphone pack over and all this stuff. And I okay, cool. i was just like, wow, I'm in my room doing this? Like, who am I? <laughs> you know, the only thing that was different for me was not having that natural banter you would get from being in the room with people, you know? And right. it was just odd, you know, like being live action acting is like so different than doing a podcast and especially being at home. Like, I feel like also being in the studio just gives you that extra oomph if you feel like you're really in that moment.
3: Yeah. So, did you get any direction?
1: Oh, well, yes. they gave me direction. Okay. So we'd be on the call and everything, and like they would read it through me, but you know, being an actor, you give a little bit more. <laughs> Is that yeah. What I'm <laughs> it's just different. But it was definitely an experience And I'm so happy with how it turned out Wouldn't want it any other way It was a cool experience to have
3: That's dope When it finally dropped What was your experience like listening to it?
1: Well, one, I was nervous I was like, oh gosh, how is it going to play out? Because, you know, like not having that banter there I was like, oh, I hope I did you Janelle know, Justice And I really love this mm-hmm. project I wanted it to be the best it could be When I listened to it for the first time I was like, oh my gosh <gasps> It turned out so bad! it's so good And I like, I cried a little bit I did Because I was so happy really? it truly felt such a connection with the story and all these characters. And I did. I did. I cried a little bit. I get very um, connected to the work I do. And so when Word. I see something come out and I'm very happy and proud of it, it gets me a little emotional. But yeah, I listened to it with my
3: mom. <laughs> that's, that's real. I was just waiting, counting down the days for it to drop. And then I remember when I got the notification on on Apple Podcasts, I just turned on my headphones, laid in my bed, face to the ceiling. And I was like, all right, let's do this. And then just the like first 15 seconds, I was like, yo, the music quality of this is so fire. Mm-hmm. Like, how am I even part of this? And then just listening to the story, there are a lot of times where I had to like rewind because I was so focused on how well I, I, I did justice to Marco if I was doing justice and just listening to those things. As an artist, something I'm always striving for is to be able to consume or just be an audience member mm-hmm. for projects that I'm in rather than like judging it from an actor's point of view. You know what I mean? So like oh. I found myself almost not listening quite to the story, but rather listening to how it came out, if that makes sense, you know? So like that makes sense. I'd have to rewind and be like, okay, like, let me actually tune into what's going on <laughs> and not just my voice, you know? <laughs> yeah (laughs) same with you i was like totally blown away just by like the story and the production quality of it all
1: oh thank you
3: word 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 what was something important and different about keeping creatively busy during the pandemic year for you?
1: Ooh, okay. Yeah. The pandemic definitely like changed my world completely because what I do is mm-hmm. so much about seeing people and getting to meet. Like, it just revolves around like so many other people and not just me. So it was definitely like, okay, what am I gonna do? You know? But one, mm-hmm. this podcast really helped me because it gave me something to do and really like just throw myself into and and just work on that and so I was very very thankful it, it came when right. the pandemic was happening and all of that it was scary it was a big change on the acting side of things live action wise every audition was zoom and it still is zoom so you know charming people in the room isn't a thing you have to like get on a zoom and be like hey what's up yeah and you know there's not that like connection you can build with casting directors literally just this past week I had a producer session and I was like oh geez <laughs> <laughs> it's so different like I don't know No, I think it's definitely going to be the new normal in a way. Uh I think the biggest part for me was it also gave me time to figure out more about me, if that makes sense, and like what I really want my career to be and what I wanted to do and what I needed to get there. It gave me more time to kind of focus on that instead of being on this constant hustle and like I need to do this, I need to do this, I need to be here. And I was just like, "Ah, Mm nah, you got to stay home. (laughs) You're with yourself.
3: Definitely feel that. Definitely feel that.
1: Get in touch with me and get better at all the things that i want to do
3: yeah i'm curious what what does that look like aside from working on your career during the pandemic when you weren't doing that sort of stuff whether it was like meditation like ruben or like what are some of the daily practices or things that you engaged with that made you feel like you were being a better daniela
1: um definitely just cutting out time for me because i am very easily to be like I can do a million things at once and that's okay because that's the lifestyle and you know realizing like no you you, know, you need to take some time for yourself like it's okay to have one day where you're not running around and doing all these things. Meditation is something I never thought I was going to be into and I did get into and it's helped me a lot because I have a very um overthinking mind i i guess i would mm-hmm. say it's always on it's never Oh, i'm doing this right now i can think about that i could be like on the most beautiful hike in the world um i'll be thinking about what i have to do when i get back to my room you know instead of just like enjoying the night. word and so yeah yeah i feel like meditation really helped me with that i also do this little thing called a brain dump I take time in the morning when I wake up and I just write down kind of like journaling. You know, I just write down everything I'm thinking and everything. It's just clearing my mind of the clutter, Yeah, I would say. That's what I kind of do.
3: That's dope. That's dope. Very similar for me. I actually, during the pandemic, I challenged myself. I've been meditating for quite some time, a few years now, but I challenged myself to just do it more consistently. Mm -hmm. So I did like a hundred day, eight minute meditation challenge where like I wouldn't break it for any day.
1: Wow.
3: That was like the most rewarding thing that I've ever put myself through. Mm -hmm. And like by the end of the hundred days, I just felt so much more clear. And like productive. And it was really cool. Since then, it's been hard to like get back to it now that things are going back to normal or semi-normal. Yeah. But like that's now something I try to incorporate daily and try to just, you know, keep up with it.
1: I love that. That's also another cool thing. It's not something that has to take up like an hour of your day. It's truly something that you can work into your busy life, which I love. It's
3: nice to find something like that. Yeah. Real quick, before we wrap this up, I have one personal question and then I'll have one wrapping question. Okay. So in the podcast, our characters and Ruben specifically, we talk about influence or culture and how that sort of affects us personally Mm -hmm. i've always been curious as someone who's an actor but like not like a breakout star yet i've always been curious what the transition from not having a super large audience to then having one what that looks like are there things that you personally had to like mentally think about Because you now have a large audience that you're almost like responsible for, what was that like for you? For me,
1: I started the whole social media thing and my main passion acting at the same exact time. I was on set for my first thing and my sister was like, yo, we got to hop on this Musical.ly thing. And I was like, okay, bet, let's do it. Yeah. And so for me, it kind of happened at the same time. And I really haven't changed my own personality, I guess, when it comes to being online. I never was really like, oh my gosh, people are gonna like look up to me. Like I need to make sure I'm like being a role model and things like that. I I don't know, I've never been like, I need to hide a part of me because I'm super open and I feel like nothing about me personally is like shocking or like, oh my gosh, I might be a little weird, but like, that's okay. (laughs) Yeah. When it comes to social media and all that, I mean now I feel like it's definitely changed than when I started it and that was only Couple of years ago, but I feel like now becoming TikTok or feel like that must be very crazy. And seeing it is also crazy. Like going into all the internet stuff, and you're like, wow, this is such a different world. And now that it's like next thing of kids coming, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is such a different world. <laughs> and like it's crazy what a couple of years can like change everything. Yeah, taught with social media. It's definitely a little scarier now for sure, like before I felt like it was a safe place rather than like a place to like, you know, get a brand and do all this stuff. I hear
3: that. I hear that. Okay, now that life is returning to normal, what can we expect from you? What are some projects you might be working on, whether independently or big projects that you can speak about? Where are we going to see Daniela next?
1: Ooh, okay. So this is actually very exciting. I am gonna be in the upcoming season of Grownish.
3: Ooh. So. Congrats.
1: I'm very excited for that. It premieres this month, so I'm very excited. I booked it um, end of 2020, and we just wrapped in
3: June. That's dope.
1: Yeah, it's really cool. So that's something that's super fun and you can look out for. I also did an independent film last month. So it also wrapped in June. I did it right after Grownish. Super, super cool. It's called Deltopia. But
3: uh, yeah. Thank you for sharing your time with me. Looking forward to working again. Pleasure meeting you and peace out. Bye. We'll be right back. And now, back to the show. For our final behind the scenes segment, we have a wide ranging conversation between Here Comes the Breaks writers, Taylor Bettinson and Akia Hill, about crafting the story and balancing all the characters and themes. And Akia conducted all of the Mask On artists' interviews, which Taylor has some questions about for her too. Their conversation, coming up next.
4: Nakia Nikia Hill.
5: And I'm Taylor Bettinson. Together, we wrote Here Comes the Break.
6: And I was the real voice behind the interview host you knew as, Mask On.
5: So this is a special behind-the-scenes look at the writing of season one of Here Comes the Break. Nikia, why don't you uh, tell the listeners how you got involved with the show, how we came to work together?
6: Absolutely. So about maybe almost two years ago now, I met the executive producer, one of the co-founders of Double Elvis Production, Brady Sadler. I met him through a contact and we kept in contact. And I invited him to come speak to my students about branding and podcasting and to talk about his work. And Brady just blew both myself and my students away. And after he spoke to my students, we actually sat and we just spoke about like just creative things. Some of the projects that he was working on and I shared that I have a background in podcasting and um, we were just like vibing and really just getting to know each other. And I said that I had a desire to, I'm a nonfiction writer, a journalist by practice, and I have a background in music journalism, but I really, at that moment about more than a year ago, I had a desire to get into script writing. And months passed, he didn't tell me about Here Comes a Break podcast. He was super secretive about some of the projects he was working on, which I understand now. um, Industry, the way it works, you can't talk about everything. And I just happened to reconnect with him. I just was like, hey, shot him an email. And, um, you know, he remembered the conversation that we had. And then the rest was history. He shared a lot about the here comes the break vision and talked about you and also the casting director Chris and I just fell in love with the story and I'm like I have to be a part of this and luckily he invited me to be on the team and yeah the rest is history how about you
5: yeah well no I was so excited like you said when you came aboard I had been involved with double Elvis a little longer than you I knew the other co-founder of double Elvis Jake Brennan from other projects around Boston and other companies around Boston that we had worked in together And so I had been doing some writing in the podcast space, some script writing and support writing for Jake on his hit show, Disgrace And they thought of me to come on board with Here Comes the Break and sort of do the show running. But as you alluded to, you know, you've got students, you're really in touch with the youth today, as olds like me would say. And I was really excited to have someone who would add, you know, again, to use Zoomer slang, who maybe would keep us from being too (laughs) chuggy, you know? Who would keep us in touch with uh with kind of the youthful spirit of the characters because i knew that i had some real attachment to the story as well in terms of some of the themes which we we're going to get to talk about in this behind the scenes look but in terms of, of what i think made us a great match was just being able to balance bringing some of that realness and some of that lived experience to knowing some kids these age in a way where we can reflect a maturity and bring a sophisticated structure to tying these interviews together with these character arcs. But just keeping it down to ground level, I was I was so happy when we got to work together. Um, so it was pretty simple for me. I, I knew Double Elvis and knew that they were going to introduce me to even more great people to work with. And lo and behold, we did.
6: Yeah, like as I think about just how Brady and I connected and like why he decided to bring me on the team I'm like wow I just have all of these different components in regards to my background it didn't quite dawn on me that oh I work with youth and also I used to have an online publication and my background's in music journalism like it honestly felt like, and up to date, like it feels like a full circle moment for me. And also, like I felt working with you on the script, it was really because my background mm-hmm. is not in script writing. Like I'm a storyteller, I'm a writer through and through. And I realized that if you're a writer, you are a writer, it just comes naturally. And I felt like I was in school because there is a particular structure with script writing and just working with you. I definitely just appreciate, like, I felt like I was a student, like I was able to be, it was just fluid. I was able to be creative. And then I was learning from both you and Chris. And even when we were going through the process of the auditions, kind of figure out the cast, I just learned, I'm learning so much about the evolution of like where podcasts are going. And I I really feel a a part of Mm -hmm. history because we don't see a lot of podcasts doing what we're doing in this space right now.
5: Well, it is right. I mean, it's an exciting space to be in. There's a lot of different stuff being tried out. And, you know, we incorporated that into the show with the kids pursuing a podcast. Thank you so much for those comments about feeling like a student. Trust me, I felt as much a student in terms of us being able to find a way to bring these voices together. It is a new medium. And The structure of a podcast episode can be more Mm -hmm. experimental Mm -hmm. in some ways than what people are used to in more established mediums like movies and TV, Mm -hmm. where the rhythms are really established. So we had a great time, and particularly because it was over the pandemic year and there was a lot of time to be inside and to be working and be in your head about something like this, it was great to have even our small two-person writers room to bounce ideas off of together and develop the story together.
6: Yeah, that has always been a dream because as a journalist and I write poetry as well and essays, like I am very much in my own world and silo as a writer and I've always wanted to be a part of a writer's room and what was interesting was when I was brought on the team a lot of the the story was like written and like you were really open to me bringing in more voice more depth to the characters and just like building so like there was a lot of back and forth and like the story is your baby too and I just thinking about being a woman in the music industry and I'm the only woman on the team. I felt like both you and Chris and Brady from the very beginning, I didn't feel like I was getting any special treatment. It was like, this is the story and that's it. It felt really good. And especially being in the pandemic and the whole women are extremely vocal about what it means to be in the entertainment industry. And I'm happy that one of my first experience in this way was with all of you because it felt really respectful across the board. It was a great experience.
5: Well, that's so great. Thank you for saying that. And frankly, it ties in a little bit to, I feel like we should discuss the season finale a bit. there were a couple of big twists and changes in the show Mm -hmm. that we dropped on the audience towards the end, not least of which was a shift out of Ruben's head for the very first time and into Janelle's perspective and promoting that new female perspective on everything that's been going on, the events of the season. Like you said, coming in, you had a tremendous amount to provide in terms of helping flesh out characters' backstories and perspectives and adding texture to the world. And I think you really connected with the Janelle character, so it was very exciting. Even though we had the first draft of the season ready to go when you came aboard, it evolved a lot as we worked together. I think we added the trip out to Viral Villa, the sort of, you know, excursion that leads to this whole later mental health diagnosis. And there's a bunch of stuff that happened over the year that impacted the development of the story. Let's start to discuss that a little bit. Let's discuss the themes of the show and what we each brought to the show. Obviously, this is a story about Gen Z breaking out in the podcasting space and young creators who are digital natives a lot of the questions we wanted to examine by living with these characters were questions of youth and social media and creativity and and how much that is an influence on, mm-hmm. on everybody today not just the youth who are involved in it but the older generations whose mm-hmm. media and culture is being defined by it
6: yeah uh, i would say also just to piggyback on what you said the theme was definitely mental health also youth finding their voice mm-hmm. although the characters are teenagers I feel like anyone from any generation can relate to just young people just finding themselves and standing up for what they believe in and just pursuing, even as adults, just pursuing your craft as a whatever you wanna be, an artist, a doctor, an architect, just having the bravery, like these young people were extremely brave and really represented the, the Gen Z generation. I hope that it did in the best way. I was really inspired by my students at 826 Boston that I work with on their Youth Literary Advisory Board. I work very closely with them. I also have a 19-year-old brother. He really inspired me. As well. And of course, music inspired me in getting to learn more about the amazing lead cast member, the star of the show, one of the many stars, because all of the actors and actresses, they're stars. But Asante Black really tapping into who he is as the person, too, that really inspired me.
5: You know, you mentioned the mental health theme as well. And that ties in, I think, so much to what people think of when we have conversations about what social media does to people and people get concerned about the youth. But you see in the creativity of the youth on social media, how much more comfortable they are in that space and that bravery in putting themselves out there. Like you said, there's a lot of adults who you don't see who have that courage, or who don't know how to do it and aren't comfortable with it. And I think it really speaks to the fact that the mental health theme as well is it's a universal thing. It's not just some new thing because of social media. Um, But, you know, that's a mental health and dealing with it is a pretty universal concern. I want to share myself a little bit. The mental health theme was really the one that drew me to the show because I have a bipolar diagnosis myself. And in the show, as the season came to a close after Ruben kind of breaks all of his rules and betrays his friends and, you know, flies across the country on his own, everyone's really freaked out. And they wonder if it wasn't something like a manic fit. And they start to discuss that as a possible diagnosis. And that became really important to me to explain. Explore and something I hope we get to explore further because frankly, it's not something that's been debilitating for me, but I did go into the hospital to deal with some mania just a few months before we started writing the season and before the pandemic hit. And so my headspace was very much in dealing with this kind of material and working through this material. And it's largely set in Ruben's head. He's dealing with a lot of anxiety. That was written into the story from the first draft. Um, so I hope that a lot of people, anyone struggling particularly through the pandemic here, found some solace in hearing another voice of someone who was in there, had a lot of the time and dealing with working through some psychological stuff in order to be able to get back out into the world in a bolder and braver way. Although we didn't know that we were going to go through a pandemic, it ended up being a very resonant thematic arc for the character, and I hope that uh, came out.
6: Absolutely, and thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that uh, with our listeners because that was something that I feel like midway through as we were writing the season that you did disclose to me your personal experiences because that was something that I really had to do a lot of research on like what does one who is living with a bipolar disorder and like what I had to do some research on my end. And also I definitely, the writing process was super collaborative, but I was very sensitive to that. And I think what you managed to do with sharing that part of your personal story was like you humanized the experience and how difficult it can be.
5: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You know, I try to be pretty transparent about it, to destigmatize it and it doesn't have to be a huge thing. And some people certainly suffer much more chronically than I do with mental health diagnoses. It's just something that I've learned to live with as an adult. And I think that's something that we all want to be examples of is being able to sort of cope with our conditions um, and uh, show that it doesn't have to prevent you from achieving. I think there was another important theme that we should touch on that grew in importance over the season of the show. And that was finding a voice for and finding a balance in your life for activism and social justice issues. Absolutely. I know that over the course of writing the show and even over the course of conducting all of the interviews, that occurred to some degree over the Memorial Day window of 2020 when George Floyd was murdered and when there was a large awakening in the country and there were a lot of protests and we had discussions around that and how much to incorporate it explicitly into the show because we'd already had to make the decision early on not to try and write the show set in this pandemic quarantine but to write it for a time afterwards when people could say go back out to music shows again (laughs) you know.
2: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but we
5: wanted to honor what was going on in the world and be real and topical, you know. Did you find it was difficult to balance it all, like say doing the interviews in terms of being Mm -hmm. topical and talking about what was going on in the world that day while trying to maintain something a little more thematic and universal? Or I mean you're pretty well experienced in the interview mode and likeness.
6: Yeah, well I definitely wanted to be sensitive to what was occurring not only in our country but throughout the world because there is still this reckoning and we were just like in the midst of it so even when we think about self-care and what that means i am not someone when i'm interviewing just focusing on getting the interview done but like connecting with the artist So number one, I had to acknowledge that we were in the midst of the Black Lives Matter movement and a global pandemic. Like, I really wanted to know how St. Bodhi was doing, how Nevaeh Jolie. Like, I really wanted to connect with the artists just to break the ice a bit and just humanize them in that way, just so that we can build that rapport. And then we can talk about the music. So that was just my approach. And it was so much going on each day. And writing some parts were very, when we started to touch on what Ruben's mom, what would she say to her Black son? Those are things that I would say to my brothers. Those are fears that I have, that my mom has, and so many moms throughout the world. Yes, it's entertainment. Yes, it's a fictionalized story. But it was also very, like, rooted in the reality that we were in. And things just evolved as, you know, life happened.
5: For sure. You know, with Mom is another example. Like, you brought a lot of gravity to her voice with that perspective. And even in stuff that's not in, say, the dialogue. But when we did a a conversation on Instagram Live with Def Jam mid-season for the show, and our host was asking us about the parental style that he saw displayed when Ruben was fighting with his parents, basically, that they were being pretty allowing of him sort of mouthing off during this discussion, and that that was not necessarily the norm. And you know, I know that like we had talked about what is mom's background, and there was some discussion of her being like a professor and having an academic Mm -hmm. background. And I thought that that played into some of the sort of openness and permissiveness of dialogue in the house and the way that they end up having their conversations a little bit, having that uh, sort of intellectualized approach. With most stories that have any kind of serialized element or or, or have any kind of scope, even if they're short and concise, it's like an iceberg, you know? The contents are just what's above the water, but there's so much beneath that is uh, backstory and character motivation and the stuff that just manifests above. And with our season, I think, you really see it come to fruition with the burst out to Viral Villa, and then you see it towards the end with their decision to go out to the Black Lives Matter protest rally as the sort of climactic scene Mm -hmm. of the finale. Once we've switched to Janelle's perspective and we lose sight of Ruben for the first time, you know, in kind of a twist, we'd been in his head the whole season and they lose track of him. And and it's a bit of a cliffhanger, but I also think it sort of is a button on the season because it shows Reuben is still figuring out what's safe and what's the danger, but he's out there on his own and he's being independent, and he's out in the world. And there is a little something to that that shows his progress as a character over the course of that season, where he was so nervous, even as mask On, that he was running away from the door in the first few episodes, you know?
6: (laughs) He was out there being reckless. I feel like anyone can relate to that when you are a teenager and your parents are trying to shield you but that is a particular level as you get older of protection and love so yeah Ruben was just really reckless and I feel like his mom she was for me I really wanted it to reflect the different type Mm -hmm. of Black women, regardless if you're a professor, you have education or not, like at the end of the day, you're a Black woman. And there were moments where mom was like, don't talk back, young man. She said it in a different way, but you know what inspired mom's character was like a claire huxtable Mm. she would have that tone she didn't have to raise her voice but you knew she had that black mom like don't even try it you will be grounded so i really wanted to capture that
5: (laughs) yeah I did want to ask you a couple final questions about your experience as Mask On, basically, as getting to conduct all of these interviews.
4: Absolutely. You know,
5: you talked a little bit about balancing sort of topicality and, you know, real world issues uh, with keeping it thematic and establishing rapport. But was it also something to balance knowing that you were going to basically be overdubbed by the character?
6: Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I think that was one of the challenging components. There were several challenging pieces, but just for me as a music journalist and also building that rapport with artists, I'm a woman. And sometimes if you are interviewing men in particular, I'll just be honest, there's a little bit of like, it's like super casual and sometimes it can get flirtatious and friendly. However, that was something that I kept in mind because that it has been my experience in music journalism. So I really just tried to make sure, I mean, and at the very beginning, mentioning that too to the artist that I'm asking the questions, but an actor will be asking them. But I think I did a good job, I would say. I
5: think you did an excellent job as the man who went through the transcripts and, and selected the sections to to become the full mask on interviews for the episode. I think you did a marvelous job balancing that. And I completely agree with you. You know, we're given, again, these behind-the-scenes peaks, Letting the artist know the format of how it was going to be presented within the fictional show, mm-hmm. I think probably helped everyone. Did You have to understand the concept in order to be able to develop the real rapport you're talking about, you know, so that they weren't surprised by that later.
6: Right. And also, another thing that was challenging, that was, like, the relational piece and the interpersonal skills and what it takes to interview, but also making sure that each interview was thematic so that it would fit into each episode like the particular things that we knew would go into the script and i feel like we kind of had to go back into the script and like change some things but i wanted to not create more work on the back end they're all talking about the same thing opening up and that's something that i still do when i interview artists it's like in your own words who are you That is hands down, I always ask artists that because in the music industry, labels will try to box you in. And I think it's really important for artists to define who they are. I want them to be able to name this is who I am, and then we jump into the interviews because I really respect the craft and what goes into artists creating their music.
5: That's great, and then my final question for you about the interviews, did you find, I guess that what you're saying right now about the theme stuff, what threads did you find in interviewing so many emerging artists for this project? Did you find a particular sort of motif or theme in these interviews? I guess what I'm saying is, did you find anything in the answers that became a thread that you were following? Because I really feel like on some of these themes we talked about, you really see the interviews blossom and get richer as we go on the season. And it creates this real sense of Ruben evolving as an interviewer within the story that I really loved and think you're a huge part of that. What did you find about interviewing all those emerging artists in a row?
6: <laughs> I would definitely say being yourself. When we think about a big machine, which is Def Jam Records, there's so many historical legends, artists that come from that label. And I think it's easy to say, okay, I'm gonna be like the next Kanye or like the next Tiana Taylor or whoever. And even like naming those two artists who you know are affiliated with Def Jam, they are very much who they are. Like there will never be another Kanye. And I feel like these artists really mimic that. They were just like authentic, raw, and they were emerging artists. And I think that's the beauty about the Here Comes a Break podcast. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, we're not breaking the artists, but I feel like what I really wanted to capture in the interviews is that we weren't asking the same questions that they would be asked on another platform, on a radio show or whatever, that our listeners would walk away with getting to know them. And they were really concerned about in vocal about what social justice meant to them and like how they were dealing with the pandemic. And they were extremely authentic. But I think the one theme is like, be yourself. Whatever you're gonna do, do you and pursue that. I think that they're doing that in such beautiful ways. A lot of the artists, I wasn't familiar with their music. Before a particular interview, I'm blasting their music in my house. So I can really get to know them, listen to their lyrics. I can ask questions about a song or an album title and also align it with the story in Here Comes a Break.
5: Yeah, that's the way to do it. (laughs) Well, I think Be Yourself is a great note to end on, a great theme from the interviews and a great theme for the season. Thanks so much for taking the time to have a little conversation about the behind the scenes, Nikia. It's been a pleasure. Of
4: course. And that's a
3: wrap on this season of Here Comes the Break. To all of you aspiring creatives out there of any age, we hope these conversations about the making of the show have brought you some excitement and insight into the creative process. Special final shout-out to everyone who made Here Comes the Break possible. Listen up for those names one last time in the credits. Peace, love, and remember to be yourself.
4: Here Comes the Break is produced by Double Elvis in partnership with iHeartRadio. Executive produced by Def Jam Recordings. Executive produced by and starring Asanti Black as Ruben. Produced by Daniela Perkins, who plays Janelle. Bobby Seas as Marco. Christopher V. Edwards as Dad. Remy Cornell as Mom. And Taylor Bettinson. Written by Taylor Bettinson and Nakia Hill. Artist interviews conducted by Nakia Hill. Directed by Christopher V. Edwards. Mixed and edited by Matt Tehaney. Sound recording by Colin Fleming. Music elements and production by Ryan Spraker. Additional production support by Jamie Demas. Executive produced by Jake Brennan and Brady Sadler for Double Elvis. Special thanks to Orrin Rosenbaum, Shelby Shankman, Sarah Kowaney, and Jordan Gorelick at United Talent Agency. Beck Media and Marketing, Barack Muffet at Universal Music Group, Rich Isaacson, Lynn Gonzalez, Charlene Thomas, Marissa Pizarro, Gabriel Cesariero, Jessica Manorino, and Naya Fleming at Def Jam Recordings. And Connell Byrne, Carrie Lieberman, Will Pearson, Noel Brown, and the entire iHeartMedia team. To hear bonus content, meet the cast, and go behind the scenes of Here Comes the Break. Follow at Double Elvis on Instagram or visit DoubleElvis.com.